0: I'm going to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Philippians. If you're new to Dawson, we are walking through Paul's letter to the church at Philippi all throughout this fall semester headed to Advent together as a church family. Paul's words to the church at Philippi chapter 1 verses 12 through 18 is what we will travel through together today as a church family one of the primary questions that we all have to ask and ultimately answer in our life is, is how do you respond when life doesn't go your way? How do you make sense of difficulties and trials that come your way, come my way, come our way? One of the most utterly optimistic books that's been penned in decades is is by Dr. Seuss and many of you received Oh the Places You'll Go. As you graduated from high school you're familiar with this book and, and it is up, up and away but even Dr. Seuss reminds us listen to his words you'll join the high flyers who soar to high heights wherever you go you'll top all the rest except when you don't because sometimes you won't. I'm sorry to say, but sadly it is true that bang-ups and hang-ups can happen to you. Our passage this morning is about the bang-ups and hang-ups that will happen to you. And and how do you have a divine perspective of trials? How do you have a divine perspective when life doesn't go your way? How do you see good and trust in the sovereignty of God, even in the midst of the bang-ups and hang-ups of life that have, are, or will happen to you? The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Philippi while he's imprisoned. His future is uncertain. But he writes these words here that we find in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Really, Paul? So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice." what Paul reminds us of or maybe tells us for the first time in our life is that God has a plan and he has a purpose even in the midst of your pain. That that your pain can seem to be an inconvenient detour. It can seem to be an obstacle. But Paul here is writing from an, a prison. It's a house arrest. He's there in Rome, most likely, for about two years. He has no privacy. He's chained to an imperial guard, nowhere that he can go by himself. He doesn't know as he waits to appeal to Caesar for his freedom, but but it's more than that. When Paul says in verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, it isn't just his imprisonment that he speaks of, I don't think. I think Paul, as an apostle, he knows firsthand, not from an ivory tower, hypothetical speculation, but from the grit of life, the challenge and the difficulty of life. He knows what has happened to him has really advanced to serve the gospel. Notice if you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25, you have a litany of what has happened to the apostle Paul as he's followed God's will. Second Corinthians chapter 11, just flip over there and, and, and listen to what Paul says starting in verse 25. It, it helps fill out what has happened to me in Philippians 1:12. Starting in verse 23, we read uh, this is in the New International version that I read to you out of First Corinthians, or excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk about this. I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I've labored and told and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. Do you get do you get what Paul is saying here? When, when he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. That, that Paul believes this at the very core of who he is: that the shipwrecks, in danger at sea, in danger from bandits being uh, attacked by this mob that ultimately it falls under the very sovereignty of God and God has used it to advance the gospel. This is a powerful gospel centrality in the midst of difficulty for the Apostle Paul. Now, if you could go back 2,000 years ago, walk into that Roman house arrest, interview Paul and say, Hey, Paul, has it been fun? You know what Paul would have said? No! No! This hasn't been fun. Or you sit down with Paul and say, Paul, I got a follow up question. Was this fair? No, it's not fair. Paul, if you could have written the script of what it meant to be a missionary for Christ, an apostle for the gospel, would you have written it this way? His answer, I am sure, would be no. But if you ask him the question, Has God used your circumstances to advance the gospel? his answer is, Heaven's yes. Let me tell you, sit down. I want you to hear how God has used these circumstances to advance the gospel. And you say, well, Paul, how in the world can you see good in the midst of what surely you have to see as obstacles? Surely, Paul, your reaction should be, why me? I've served you this faithfully, God. Why would you allow this to happen? But no, Paul, in verse 13, he says, let me tell you one way. That my imprisonment has advanced the gospel. Notice with me in verse 13, he says, So it has become known throughout the whole Imperial Guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. The Imperial Guard, I mean, it's sort of like the Star Wars imagery. We think of stormtroopers or something like this here. The Imperial Guard are 9,000 cream-of-the-crop Roman soldiers. They're bodyguards for Caesar himself. The best of the best, these are West Point grads, the the cream-of-the-crop. They serve Caesar for 10 years They leave that place, the bodyguards, the secret service of the Roman government, and they become ambassadors, they become senators, they become politicians. They have this rotation where they come in because Paul can't be by himself 24-7. They have an imperial guard chained to Paul. Paul sees this and his first reaction is, is what a privilege I have. You can imagine, I'm just going to make up his name. We can imagine one of the imperial guards that comes, maybe let's just say hypothetically on Friday from 12 to 5 every Friday. His name is Marcus, let's just say. And you can imagine, Paul, when Marcus shows up, he comes the first week and he thinks this is just another uh, criminal that has just come in for for some strange crime that he has uh, committed. But eventually, over weeks and weeks and months and months, he's going to know, Paul. He, he is going to have someone who says, hey, Marcus, how, how's your brother doing? I've been praying for him. How's your sister doing? I've, I've been praying for him. Give me an update. But you can imagine Paul saying, Marcus, have I told you before the story of how I once was uh, named Saul? And how I was going on on the Damascus Road to persecute Christians, to lock them up. Have I told you, Marcus, and you can imagine Marcus saying, Paul, you tell me this week after week. Yes, you've told me this story. But let me tell you again, because I never tire of telling you how I was going to put Christians in prison. I was going to stomp out the Christian church. And God, through a vision through the Lord Jesus, knocked me off of my horse. And I went from being Saul, a persecutor of the church, to Paul, one who had been redeemed by the very one who I wanted to stomp out the name of Jesus Christ. You can imagine Paul saying to Marcus, and this can happen to you too. Marcus, you too can go from serving not Caesar, but you can go to serving the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He wants to save you. And you can imagine week after week Hour after hour, Paul pointing his uh, prison guards to Christ. You can imagine, as Paul says here, they all know who I am. They know I'm in here for Christ because I'm not wasting the opportunity as I'm chained to one of them. I've got a captive audience to point to the sufficiency of Jesus, even in the midst of my pains and even in the midst of my sufferings. But that's not only what Paul says. That's not the only way that he sees the gospel advancing. Again, in verse 14, he says, Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So he shifts the focus. He says, not only do we have the imperial guards, who have a front row seat to, to the work of the gospel in my life, but we have Roman Christians. Again, Paul's writing most likely from a Roman house arrest here, He's in prison, so you have Roman believers who could come back and forth. It's it's an odd sense of prison. It's more like a house arrest, so people can come back and forth. We're going to hear this about Epaphroditus later on in Philippians. So you have Roman believers who would have known he was in prison. You'd have Roman believers who are hearing the stories of Paul share the gospel. And what Paul says is, my prison, my imprisonment has not gone to waste. That me being in prison has actually emboldened the witness of Roman Christians who are free. Roman Christians who are wondering, can we serve God under the Roman regime? Will they see in me a boldness? Paul, instead of going silent about his faith, uh, you know, sort of wanting to put his faith to the side here, he's passionately sharing it. Instead of becoming a, a mute, he, he is bold in, in sharing the gospel. And Paul says, now they have seen my witness and they want to share. They're encouraged. They're spurred on through my faithfulness. I hope you know this, but what Paul is getting at here has everything to do with your life and my life. It has everything to do with so often how God moves in our lives. We think that the best time for God to use us is when everything is going right in our lives and we've gotten it wrong. Oftentimes, God uses our pains, our difficulties, our trials, the things that we don't want to go through, our hang-ups and bang-ups, and He builds a platform to show the clarity of the gospel and how it affects our lives. He doesn't waste our pain. I had a friend of mine in a previous church who was a member of the church who was on his roof. He was doing some work. He had a blower up there getting the leaves off in the fall. He was cleaning out some of the gutters. And as you hear happens, he loses his footing, falls off the roof, a horrendous accident, major surgery, major recovery. It was, for this man, an absolutely devastating interruption of his life, as it would be for all of us. I mean, completely self-sufficient in every way he was, I mean, work is challenged, his health is challenged, his sanity. In that moment, he he would talk to me and he would say, David, I've never, I've never struggled with depression. But but being here in the hospital, going through what I've experienced, the pain that I've experienced, it is it has rocked my world from a spiritual standpoint, from an emotional standpoint. It's the worst thing that's happened to me as an adult. Well, he goes through physical therapy. He has a physical therapist who, just out of PT school, engaged to be married, just moved into the community that he lives in, that I live in. So they build a relationship. And week after week, seeing him, they build a relationship. They build a friendship. It sort of culminates in him inviting this physical therapist to come to church. He comes to church. He builds friends in the church. He hears the gospel. And never in his life has he trusted Christ, so he becomes a Christian. So a year, approximately a year, after my friend has fallen off the roof, gone through this whole uh, difficult year, he's sitting in a pew, just like you're sitting in a pew. He looks up at the baptistry, just like a baptistry right here. And out of all the people that get baptized, he sees his physical therapist be baptized. Not only the physical therapist, but also his fiancee that at this point is his wife. His wife was a follower of Jesus, but had never been baptized. And there he sits in the pew watching The way God is moving. He comes up to him afterwards. They hug necks. And that physical therapist looks at him and says, I cannot tell you how grateful I am for you. And all the conversations that we had. And it just dawns on my friend that that what he is grateful for was the lowest point in his life. That the only way they knew each other Was him falling off the roof and happened to go through surgery, happened to go to a physical therapist? Now, again, there is nothing that is good. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. This is not a good thing that happens. But God takes bad things and he redeems them for good. He transforms our pains. He transforms our accidents. I hope you believe this. I hope you know this. It might not be an accident for you. It might be a diagnosis for you that absolutely rocks your world, that brings you into contact with people that you never would have seen, never would have talked to, never been able to pray for, never been able to get to know. Maybe it's 25 years working for the same company. Your boss brings you in. He says, corporate has made this decision. I'm sorry, but we're having to downsize. You need to have your office cleaned out by five. 25 years. Feels like it's down the drain, but you didn't realize it. But God was shutting that door, and you thought it was the end, but He was opening up another door where you could be in a place for such a time as this, in a new place, a new job, to be able to be a witness for Him. You thought it was the worst day. It was just the beginning of where God wanted to get you. You've been dating Him or her for years. You're certain that wedding bells are before you. And instead of proposing to you, you break off the relationship. And it's absolutely heart-wrenching. And then about 10 years later, you look at your Christmas cards that get sent out. And you see your husband and you see your four children. And you say, praise God that what I thought was the end of my life was the beginning of what I see in this card. He wasn't a great guy anyway. No, I don't, I don't know, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But you get the point, don't you? This is how God moves. This is how God works. He, he is a God that is good, and He is a God that is sovereign. Now, I, I wish... Paul is sitting here in prison, and he can see that God has redeemed it for the imperial guards that are hearing the gospel. He can see that he's redeemed it because they're Roman Christians that are emboldened in their faith. We don't always see this side of heaven, how he works all these things together. He promises us that he works all things together for the good of those who love him or are called according to his purpose. But he doesn't, he's not obligated to, to show how all of that works out. This side of heaven, I think we're going to get to heaven. And one of the things that's going to be so unique is how we see how all of these puzzle pieces fit together. We're sitting here on earth and we think that God's allowing this to happen because it fits in this little area. And then we get and we see the master plan of how God has redeemed all this. And we say, oh, I, I had no idea. I, I had no idea how you were working good out of this difficulty. Now, Paul sees it because he can witness to the imperial guards. I hope you see that in your life, that God has placed you strategically to be a witness for him. And oftentimes, he has to give us detours. He has to derail our plans to get us where he wants us to be for such a time as this to be a witness for him. But it's more than that. Paul says, even the Roman believers, they're emboldened in their faith. Instead of uh, shrinking in the face of persecution, they're standing strong because of the witness of me being in prison. And this happens today too. I don't know about you, but these last couple of weeks as I've heard reports of Christians in Afghanistan, there are a lot of things that those reports do for me. Uh, there are a lot of things that I have to respond and you do too. When, when you hear reports of first-hand believers on the ground, whose names have been given to the Taliban and, and their house numbers have been given to them and they're having to flee their homes and they're having to take refuge with family members right there on the ground or friends and they're fearing the repercussions of what that's going to do is they take refuge there and hearing firsthand accounts of some families who are fleeing to the mountains to avoid persecution, to be able to keep their family intact. Now, there's a lot of things that these kinds of stories should do for us. They should draw us to our knees in prayer. We should be praying. We certainly should be praying for our military personnel who are there in harm's way. We should be praying for the gospel to spread in the midst of of this place. We should pray for the protection of believers. Yes, and yes, and yes. We should say what are tangible ways that we as the body of Christ can come alongside of the global church. Uh, We have a great privilege, along with other churches, to partner. You see it on the screen here with the International Mission Board, the North American Mission Board, to be able to give tangible support To the relocation of refugees across the world for the sake of giving physical needs and meeting those needs for the sharing of the gospel. Many of these will be believers, many of these will not be believers. You can go to sinrelief.org, you can read more about this. This morning, I did this, Danielle and I gave to this organization. It is a trustworthy, gospel-centered organization that has boots on the ground, caring for, loving, ministering, sharing the gospel to those that we're reading about and seeing on the television. So many of us have the resources, their there financial needs that we need to be able to step up, as the Christian church in America, and come alongside and say, hey, we're going to bear some burden. We're going to help spread the gospel and help Christians in the midst of difficulty. Yes, we should do that. But there's another thing that these kinds of stories do for me, and I hope they do this for you. You see, these Roman Christians are watching the Apostle Paul, and they see him in prison, and it puts life in perspective. And I don't know about you, But hearing these types of stories, as I pray for them and as we want to support them, it also is a mirror to my life. And I realize as as, as blessed as we all are to live in the Birmingham metro area and as blessed as we all are to live in America and to be able to gather together without the fear of of interference and the fear of persecution, all of this I say praise God for. But when I hear the stories of faithful believers saying, we would leave our house, we would leave our home so that we could stand for the gospel in the face of persecution, it puts life in perspective for me. We we all swim in a cultural stream of pettiness and self-absorption. It is a part of the air that we breathe, and we all just need to know this and admit this. You can't escape it. But hearing stories of a mom and a dad saying to their four-year-old and saying to their seven-year-old and saying to their nine-year-old, we're going to leave and we're going to leave in the middle of the night and get the things that you can hold. Get the pillow. Get the little uh, doll that you have. Don't take anything else and we're going to sneak out of our house. I don't know what that does to you, but it should draw us to our knees in appreciation for all that we have and it should slice the pettiness And self-absorption that we all, me, myself, and I, first and foremost, swim in. Here, Here are believers who say, we're going to gather, we might die. And here we, in the West, with the freedom that we have, we say, we'll gather when we can fit it into our schedule. It should draw us to our knees in repentance. It should show us What Christ actually means and how it changes everything. This is the witness of the persecuted church. It has been for 2,000 years. This is exactly what is going on as the Apostle Paul, in the midst of his imprisonment, is standing firm. The Roman Christians see Paul and they say, stand up. Stand up in your faith. Be bold in your faith. This is still the witness of the persecuted church in 2021. It is a call to boldness. It is a call to commitment. It is a call to take up our cross and die when believers across the world literally are taking up their cross and they are dying. And so Paul's witness, it is a witness for today. It is the headlines of the news that we read about and that we see on television. Now, what isn't as close to us is this interesting little aside that Paul gives. He, he's given two reasons that God is working in the midst of the difficulty here. He says, hey, look at the imperial guards, but also, Look at the believers in Rome. And then finally, in verses 15 through 18, he gives us this little interesting aside of how there are false motivations of ministers in the church at Rome, most likely, who are preaching Christ out of envy and ambition and rivalry. Look at with me in verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition Not sincerely, uh, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Can I tell you what's going on here? The answer is, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. And I I don't say that as a sort of a lazy pastoral cop-out. 2,000 years of church history and interpretation of these passages, Paul just doesn't give us all the historical background that we need to fill in what's going on here. So interpreters have had to build sort of a historical reconstruction and had to say, I think that this might be what it is, but we can't definitely uh, fill in the dots. And that's okay. That's okay. The, The main things of Scripture are the plain things of Scripture, and the plain things of Scripture are the main things of Scripture. And if God wanted us to know who exactly these people were, exactly what was going on, He would have told us, but He didn't. The main point of this is that Paul sees groups of ministers who are preaching with pure motivation, and they're preaching the gospel. And you got this other group here, probably Roman Christians, followers of Jesus, who've been preaching the gospel for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden Paul shows up, and you got this celebrity apostle who's guarded by the, the imperial bodyguards of Caesar, and they get jealous. Everybody's talking about Paul now. What about me? has everybody forgotten about me? And then he's in prison and they say, here's our opportunity here. Everybody's talking about Paul, but we're going to make a name for ourselves. We're going to preach the gospel. It's not a false gospel. It's the true gospel. They want people to be saved. Paul has no hesitation calling people out when they preach a false gospel. In Galatians chapter 1, do you remember when they were preaching Christ plus circumcision? He said, may those ministers of the gospel be accursed. May they be damned. This isn't the same situation here. You have pettiness, envy, rivalry that's motivating these ministers. And Paul comes to the end and he says, you got a group that have pure motivations and you have a group that have motivations that are mixed. And then what does Paul say in verse 18? He says, only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. Whoa, no name calling Paul, no back and forth with them. Now what Paul says, if they have false motivations, it doesn't matter as long as the gospel is going forth. If I'm in prison, it doesn't matter as long as the gospel is going forth here. Paul is so single-minded. He is so focused on the centrality of the gospel that whatever he's experiencing here, whether it's being hurt by the envy and rivalry, whether it's being in prison, he says, it is a platform, my pain is for the proclamation of the gospel. And I hope you can can believe what Paul is saying here, because this is hard to believe. This is hard to live. It's easy to talk about, it's easy to read. But when you're actually in the, the, the prison of your own making or someone else's making, when you actually have a lot more question marks than you have answers, it's hard to, to live this out here. But I hope you would, you would take the witness of the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit to believe that God has a purpose no matter your pain. That God has a purpose no matter how life is derailed and and things aren't like you thought it was going to be here. Do you believe this truth here? Do you trust that God is good and that he is sovereign, that he is in control, even when we can't trace his hands? Do you believe that he has a purpose even when you face the difficulties of life? Because I've got to remind you of this, I'm sorry to say, but sadly it is true. That bang-ups and hang-ups will happen to you and to me and to us. But here's the good news. No matter the bang-up, no matter the hang-up, God is good. He's in control. And He can, if we trust Him, advance the gospel no matter what we face. That, my friends is really good news. Let us pray.